0: Surprise price for Monday, September 18th, 2023. We're coming to you from the go Sports Studio built by Arbor Lee here at the iconic Wall Center, downtown Vancouver. No better place to stay in the city. Matt Sicares alongside Blake Price, Grady Sass hitting switches and conducting things. And this show, a presentation of Applewood Auto Group. And I hope you had as much fun driving your Mitsubishi Outlander it up is. and back to Pentecton as, as I did with the Infinity QX 60. I love driving. I love being by myself in the car, being at one with the vehicle and the road. You know, you're seeing things a kilometer ahead, a kilometer in the back. You've got total focus. You're hitting the inside line of those turns, reducing the distance, just guiding the car left and right, soft on the gas and on the brake. I love having that serenity of being alone in the cockpit and driving on a long drive, especially a beautiful one.
1: At risk of a long tangent here. <laughs> generally in life, generally in life, like we 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 go back to nature, we become one with nature. Whether it's sitting on the beach and looking at the ocean, whether it's going to a hike and going to, and it's usually you know when we reduce our lives down to really the bare things that that we sort of feel at one. Why does driving a vehicle the one exception? Driving a vehicle. People love it. People, people feel at peace. The same kind of thing that you'd see standing on the top of the chief yep. or looking at the ocean. Um, I don't
0: know why. Yeah, uh, there's just like a serenity that comes over me. I love you're it. Alone with your thoughts yeah, and the music. Exactly. Singing like no one's listening because no one is, and that's a good thing. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> it's the 25th anniversary sale at Applewood. Great deals on new Nissan Leafs. And rogues at Applewood Nissan Langley, Applewood Nissan Surrey, and Applewood Nissan Richmond, the QX50 and the QX 60 aforementioned lease from 3.99%. And of course, no charge maintenance packages with purchase and a chance to win 25000 dollars See dealer for details because Blake Price. It is all good at Applewood. Bodog poll question today. We're asking you are you more excited for this Canuck season than last year? Yes or no? You can vote at some Price on Twitter, Bodog Your Source casino games, poker strategy, and sports. That's Bodog line of the day for me. I realize it's going to be a tough game in Houston on Wednesday, but the Caps are plus 330, and that is just way too much value to leave on the table while they're on this run. I'm sure it's eventually going to come to an end. Until then, I'm riding with Vanny on your Bodog line of the day. More on them later in the program. Asking to this question today because the Jake Milford golf tournament, which is the unofficial kickoff to Canucks season. And I see Quinn Hughes has already spoken there and has talked about how he's incredibly motivated by last season's start. He called it a nightmare and he uh, started flexing that C a little bit, said not just on the coaches to be ready, it's on the players too. You may remember they went two five and two last year in October. They lost their first five games out of the shoot, and they were three, five, and one the previous October. Yep. So they've buried themselves early in the Western Conference standings. That's something that can't take place this year. That said, it is a another daunting start to the season for the Vancouver Canucks. The common denominator here has been Edmonton, huh? Edmonton out of the shoot. They first. always start with Edmonton. So it's home and they beaten Edmonton in that game and still gone on to the terrible start. Uh, it's in Edmonton on October eleventh. Oh sorry, it's in Vancouver on October eleventh against Edmonton, then in the Alberta Capital on the fourteenth. Uh that kicks off a five game roadie which swings through Philadelphia, the two Florida teams and Nashville before getting St. Louis and the Rangers home back to back. And Nashville on Halloween night to close out the month of October for the Vancouver Canucks. Clearly, they need a better start. Look, I voted yes on the poll because you finally have alignment from the ownership to management to the head coach. That was absent last year. It was clear as day that was absent last year. Mm -hmm. It turned into a dysfunctional season where the Vancouver Canucks brought themselves more embarrassment and shame, particularly with the handling of the Bruce Boudreaux firing. So I voted yes. Got to get off to a better start. Of course, PD Watch is going to be a thing until his name is on contract. But I am more excited. Plus, it's a better roster, at least better on paper than what we were looking at last year. Well, uh,
1: there's also just this um, exhale of bad contracts. Like, Tyler Myers is still there, but he's on his last year. And he's eminently tradable now with the bonus paid. Not eminently, within the scale, at the very least. So they will have an option, you would think, at the trade deadline if they want to use that. But there's no other anchor contract right now. Will the J.T. Miller contract become one? Perhaps, and most probably. But right now, he's worth the money that you're paying him. And so you don't have to lament, oh, there's a big block here because of X, Y, and Z. You know, It's a bit of a new start. A lot of money coming off the books over the next two years as well, where you can refashion the team. So I think there's optimism in that regard. Is this team on track to be a contender in the next two years? Nope. But they're on track to be on track, if you will. Uh, They're two years away from being two years away, which considering the depths this team was coming from, that's actually a good scouting report for the Vancouver Canucks. Mm -hmm.
0: They get going Sunday in Calgary in the preseason opener And we've come to learn, and I don't believe this has been officially announced yet by the Vancouver As we're speaking, no. As as least as we're speaking, yes. But um, the broadcast information is listed on the NHL.com schedule. So Sunday televised against Calgary, Wednesday televised against Edmonton. They're in Seattle. uh, That's next Wednesday, of course. They're in Seattle on the 28th, and it doesn't look like that game will be televised. Then back against Edmonton, that one will be televised uh, before another untelevised game against Seattle and Abbotsford on Wednesday the 4th. And then they round out the preseason on October the 6th against Calgary at home, and that one will be televised as well. So we'll see what the uh, Canucks further announce on the uh, broadcast side of things. But it looks like all the preseason games, with the exception of the two Seattle contests, again, one at Abbotsford Center.
1: You can see that one in person, mm-hmm. if you so choose.
0: Will be will be televised. We had heard that there were going to be some
1: cutbacks this year with Sportsnet
0: and uh, covering preseason games. The two and, games
1: that you, they only get one market to watch are the ones that they cut, right? That makes a yeah, lot of sense. They get two right. markets watching all the other broadcasts. Yes. And, and yeah, uh, as
0: you say, uh, it makes you said this last week. It makes more sense to televise the all Canadian affairs because of course you're going to have viewers from both markets who are interesting as opposed to the Seattle game where of course you would only be registering one side.
1: And of that And matchup. with them with them doing home and home with the Alberta teams, I suspect the games that are in Alberta, you're probably going to listen to yep. the the Calgary crew and yep. the Edmonton crew. Although Shorty be- said today that he's he's going to be in Calgary Sunday. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, huh?
0: yeah. but who who knows? Yeah, we'll await uh, we'll await uh, more clarity from the Canucks on some sort of broadcast release, which I believe is anticipated for tomorrow. Uh, we're wrapping up young stars in Penticton today, and we had a marvelous weekend in Penticton. Bigly a big, le- uh, big uh, list of thank yous here in a moment, but first. Uh, what did we were at Friday's game? Mm-hmm. A blowout victory against the Calgary Flames. I walked out of that game going, mm, it's clear Vancouver brought a way better team than Calgary, and probably better than the other sides as well. Winnipeg ekes out a victory over the Canucks Young Stars last night, kept them in the game really in a shootout. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, could have could have been over. Um, all things were pointing in the Canucks' way earlier in that hockey game. Uh, but who caught your eye?
1: From Friday's match, um, it's always good, not only from the result standpoint, but from the performance standpoint, that it was uh, chalky. You know, like it, it, the guys that you would expect and hope to sort of be noticeable are the guys that that were. I think yep. McDonough and Hirose sort of leading the way there. A little less so on on uh, on Ratu, but I noticed McWard as well. Um Sasson was pretty good. Yeah, yeah, he got involved in the first goal there. So I mean there was then some AHL guys were pretty good too. Yeah. Yeah. Beans is getting a lot of shine. Mm-hmm. Um and Tolapila didn't get a ton of action, obviously, but he was he was noticeable boys. <laughs> was. <laughs> he <laughs> yeah. leaps off the page and the ice. So um, you know, that's the thing is that it's worth nothing. And Connor Bernard said as much after his hat trick. Um it's worth nothing, but you also Like, what if you didn't see McDonough or Hirosea in the ice? You'd you'd probably be a little concerned about that. Um, Same thing if what if Bedard was like a minus three and didn't have any points? Same thing. Mm -hmm. So um, you just like it when it goes according to plan. It's not Mm -hmm. worth anything. You don't get a trophy. Um, Nothing's guaranteed for the rest of the NHL season. But you at least want them to stand out amongst their peers. And the good news is I think a lot of the guys that Canucks fans were hoping would, they did.
0: He is unlikely to play NHL games anytime soon, but shout out Mark Gatcombe with a terrific snipe on, on Friday. A 24-year-old minor leaguer winger who scored but three goals last year. He might have uh, surprised you with that well. It certainly did surprise me when I went to his team page. I was like, boy, you can shoot the puck like that, pick a corner, and he only had three goals last year. Anyways, a marvelous time had by all in Penticton. It's such a great tournament and such a great festival for that city. It was terrific to meet so many Canucks fans. We want to thank our our hosts there at Neighborhood Brewing, Mike and Melinda, John and Jesse, Brad and Alicia, Sydney, Gill, Laura, Hannah, and Brittany for taking such great care of us there at Neighborhood Brewing at the corner of Westminster and Winnipeg. And then met a whole bunch of listeners there. Over the weekend, it was nice to see Imri again. Professor Rob, Patrick from PG. Mm -hmm. Nice job. Adam from Kelowna came over the neighborhood section at the South Okanagan Event Center. Rob and Rod at the rail. Blake went to match Friday night. Brandon Codalis, he of the Highway to Hell series. Oh, yes. Came right up at the bar. Matt, Highway Through Hell. And we sat there and talked Canucks. And then I met our contest winner from the Whistler Golf Club this week, uh, this summer, Riley. And he was telling me, oh, a great time they had up at the Whistler Golf Course. He was running with the crew. Shout out Reese Patrick, Curtis, and listener Todd, who we met over the course of the weekend. And one last thank you, listener Ian, at the Holiday Inn in Medicine Hat. My parents were going through there on the weekend. Oh, really? My dad drops his ID to check in and Ian says, Are you related to Sakarson Price? And my dad went, Yeah, that's my son. Oh, I listen all the time. I'm a transplanted B C or Canucks fan. So that's funny. Thank you, Ian, for showing my folks such great kindness there at your hotel in Medicine Hat. He tells my dad, Oh yeah, I listen all the time. So what does my dad say? Oh, that's very nice, thank you, Bubba. I goes, You think that means a rate?
1: <laughs> and thank you, Ian. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. Uh,
0: well, it's not often that Columbus, Ohio is the center of the NHL universe, but that was the case. Oh, my goodness. This weekend, with Mike Babcock resigning as head coach of the Blue Jackets before he ever coaches a game. It would appear that the investigation from new executive. Director of the NHL Marty Walsh, turned up enough uncomfortable Blue Jackets players that this was brought to the club. And Babcock resigns without apologizing. Didn't want to be a distraction. Yarmo Kekalainen and John Davidson, the club's GM and president, take the fall here. Yarmo actually apologized to the team for hiring him. Davidson admitting it was a mistake. Scathing statement from Blue Jackets ownership where they expressed their frustration and indicate we don't want to change personnel because it's two days before training camp and we don't want to be a disruption. But you have to think that John Davidson and Yarmo Kekalainen now are on thin ice after they this They gambled hire. with this
1: hiring and they pushed yep. the logo into the middle as as uh, as their pot, you know, and, mm. and that's the thing. You drag the organization through the mud when you make these sorts of decisions and, you know... It's just, I mean, as uh, Ryan Lambert said uh, on uh, Twitter, if you didn't see this coming, you're probably Jarmo Kekalainen because everybody else <laughs> yeah. went, really, you're going to take this chance? Well, and Kekalainen even said at his press conference today that like, Babcock
0: asked about his phone, and it turns out that away from the facility, uh, Babcock made some requests about seeing photos on phones of young players that made them feel uncomfortable. And I like what Frank Cervelli tweeted of the daily face off strong message sent treat all players with respect as you would in any proper workplace. Proper workplace is a great phrase to use here, Blake, because I think there are a lot of people in hockey. I think there's still a lot of people in hockey who want to act like it's not just any other workplace and subject to the same standards. And no matter what you feel about them, The Spitting Chicklets podcast and Paul Bissonette deserve a lot of praise here. They stood up for players. And, of course, this is a generation of players just one generation removed from the NHL, right? They went through a lot of the bullshit that goes on with bully coaches in the NHL. And they put a stake in the ground last week and said, no more. We're going to be there to defend and stand up for the rights of players if these sorts of coaches think that they can continue to treat them. In that regard. Albeit using misogynistic... Yeah, I mean, you know, the follow-up tweet from BizNasty, there was no... There's no excusing that. I mean, it was just inappropriate. But the actual act of bringing this into the public sphere...
1: Yeah. ...is very beneficial. We're, I mean... Hey, it's a slow progression to Oh, it's so slow. Uh, hockey is the uh, Yeah, it's, slowest. I mean, I can remember a time Blake when hockey
0: people told me analytics didn't apply to their sport. Yes. Yeah. It's like anything new, anything that is a standard out there in the other part of in the other parts of society, hockey is just hesitant, and reticent to go there. It's a sport run by dinosaurs. It's a sport run by people who've put profit over people all the time, and where do you think they take that cue? Of course, and there's just got to be positive change. And this weekend brought positive change for the Columbus Blue Jackets. The NHL is better off with Mike Babcock
1: without Mike. Mike. Without Mike Babcock. Yes. Um, hot take here: Joel Quenville didn't have a great weekend. Either. No, no, he didn't. No, he didn't. Because and Joel Quenville. I mean, you walk around the National Hockey League, you'll find. Uh, a high exponent number of people that love Joel Quinville far more than they love But Mike Babcock. But the truth of the matter is, they're going to equate the two to some degree because of behavior that every wish was a little bit different on on both men. And and I wonder if Joel Quinville was on the brink of being hired maybe for next season. I wonder if that's been pushed back by an NHL club that just doesn't Mm -hmm. want to see this go down in the same way. Uh, Pascal Vincent taking over as head coach
0: of Columbus, and you have to think if the Blue Jackets get off to a bad start, then Jarmo Kekalainen may well pay for it with his job after this. Listen to the coaches he's hired. John Tortorella, Brad Larson, Mike Babcock, and now Pascal Vincent. And then there's some of the trades that he has made as general manager of the Columbus uh, blue Jackets. It's not exactly an illustrious list. Um, Brandon Saad for a Timmy Panarin.
1: Yeah, yeah. That that's one you want to have back. Mm-hmm. Dubois for line a. See that one. I don't. I don't mind as much. I'm not a huge Dubois fan, so I. I, I that one. Meh. Okay. Josh Anderson for Max Domi. Yeah, that's an oops.
0: Ryan, although Anderson's not a superstar either, but mm-hmm. yeah. Ryan Johansson for Seth Jones, although he salvaged that one with a yeah. trade. To, anyways, um, already everybody in Columbus management finds themselves on hot seats before a game is even played in the National Hockey League. And look, good young core there. You One of the teams that you wondered, maybe a year or two away, but uh, would they be able to rise up this year? We'll see how it goes. Congratulations to Surrey's Jujar Kara. He's got a two-way deal with the Minnesota Wild. We were wondering about him as a PTO, and Blake, let me ask you this. He would have been a tantalizing PTO. I haven't heard anything PTO-wise from the Canucks.
1: Nope. Are they just going to eschew PTOs? I think they might. I mean, there's no desperate need. Generally, PTOs are wingers, generally. Mm Mm-hmm. Because there's a lot of them rattling around. You can sort of give or take them in a lot of ways. Or
0: guys who are no better
1: than third-pair defensemen. Yeah. Yes. Like
0: last year in the Danny DeKaiser
1: right experiment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they, they've got depth on D. You can debate the quality of it, but they have the bodies. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've got a ton of wingers. Again, you can debate the quality of it, but they got a ton of them. So they've got you know their own in-house lottery tickets, if you will, that they are going to scratch and see what comes of them. I don't know that they need to add to it. Again, it's free. So if they get a brainchild of an idea to bring somebody in, I'm not going to say that's a bad move because it's free. It costs them nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think there's a desperate need to. There's not obvious... Holes that they don't have candidates for that you'd be like, oh, a PTO might be able to fill that. Um, they've got bodies. I don't think they need any mm-hmm. more long-shot
0: bodies. Let me just correct myself. Sod for Panarin, they actually
1: acquired Panarin. Well, then they they also traded him away, though, as well. Uh, did he not leave as a free, free agency? Did he leave it a uh, free I uh, can't
0: remember. I, yeah. I Put it on Easton. It was a free agency. Great. He signed in New York. Okay. Mm. My bad. The BC Lions, with a win for the ages at BC Place Stadium on Saturday. I know of two people, and I don't want to out them. So be lucky I'm just using your first names, Daryl and Chris. (laughs) That left the game early. One went to Nat Bailey Stadium to watch the Seas clinch. At least there was purpose to the departure. Uh, Yes. And missed a comeback... For the ages, the second largest comeback in CFL history, the largest in B.C. Lions history, 41-37. They beat the Ottawa Red Blacks with a 23-point fourth quarter and, of course, a 120-yard missed field goal return, uh, one of two in the CFL this weekend, and Hamilton helped them out with one of their own to beat Winnipeg. It is one of the most exciting plays in football, the missed field goal return. Every time I see a pass hit the goal post or the goal post being used to run some sort of interference in the end zone. And I think to myself, ah, they really ought to move that back and make it out of play like the NFL. I'm reminded of the misfield goal return. Yeah. And all the excitement it brings. Uh not only that, of course, but Vernon Adams gets the job done down the stretch. Huge touchdown catches from Justin McKinnis and Lucky Whitehead and the BC Lions were looking like they were going to stink out the joint like against Hamilton a couple of weeks ago emerge with a huge victory before the home faithful that stuck around to see this epic comeback in the last few
1: minutes. Uh, we also know of a, of another friend of ours that questioned to another friend of ours, "No, there's no chance they're coming back in this one." <laughs> and they did proven wrong in the wacky and wild CFL. Let me ask you this, and this mm-hmm. has nothing to do with the Lions game in particular, but do you think it's actually possible that you can return a 120-yard f- field goal uh, miss without a penalty somewhere along the way? Like just, Did, fact, did you notice one? Did no, you I didn't. I'm just, I'm just wondering, like,
0: is it possible? Yeah, yeah I think, you think it, so. Yeah. yeah, because oftentimes you don't need to block these big offense alignment in the back. They're just not going to be athletic enough to break down in space and make the tackle. On a little return. On a like big, that.
1: long, wide field like the CFL, you're right. Maybe there's enough space anyway mm-hmm. where you can make a block and not have to hold the guy, but yeah, uh, that's what I wonder. And how about this? Mm-hmm. How about you go halfway? How about you drop the, drop the uprights 10 yards in the CFL end zone?
0: So now they're in the middle of yeah. the end zone? Yeah. Well,
1: oh, no, no, no. Why? I can't have that. Why
0: not? Oh, well, because I think it's a, a, even a more perilous place when they have it right it's now. It's still pretty
1: damn perilous where it is now. But then, then you've got... A little bit of best of both worlds. Yeah. You can still return
0: them. Well, and look, um, you know, eight comebacks in the NFL yesterday for victories, some of them dramatic, uh, including the New York Giants, who came all the way back. But there is nothing like the CFL rules in the final three minutes, and especially with teams having two timeouts now. Of course, they used to have one way back when. The two timeouts, the three-minute warning, the short play clock, and the stoppages after words to reset the ball. You know, not to mention the special teams. It allows for these sorts of games to manifest. And what an absolute stunner at BC Place. Combined with the Winnipeg win, BC just one win, or Winnipeg loss. BC just one win back of the Bombers in the win column, importantly, because that means game in hand. And,
1: of course, we'll see those Bombers on October 6th. And you referenced somebody leaving BC Place to go see well, two people, another
0: big victory locally. <laughs> yes. Lions in uh, Edmonton, incidentally, on Friday. Friday night football. It's a six thirty kickoff. Uh, Elks have been a whole lot better here of late.
1: They could make the playoffs. Yeah. yeah.
0: Just before we get to the seas, uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Atlanta Falcons are two and zero. Miami, Baltimore, Dallas, Philly, San Francisco, and Washington also amongst the unbeaten through two week, two weeks in the CFL or NFL. And the Pats are 0-2. As are Cincinnati, the Chargers, and Minnesota, all teams that had some playoff buzz or were returning playoff teams. And uh, For Belichick, first time in 22 years. Wow. That would have been the season after they won their first Super Bowl, if I'm not mistaken. They started 0-2 and, and then had a come-to-Jesus meeting as the uh, lore goes. Mm. Went on to have a winning record that year, missed the playoffs. In fact, I think they're one of the few 10-win teams that have ever missed the playoffs. And then... Won the two Super Bowls thereafter on I route to six. Figured it out after that. On route yep. to six. Uh, Houston, Denver, Arizona, and uh, <clears throat> Chicago also. Oh, and two after two weeks of the NFL season. Or I shouldn't say after because we got a doubleheader or two different games on Monday Night Football tonight. There's actually two Monday Night games next week as well. Hmm. Custom to being two games on opening weekend, but they've moved it back to week two and week three. So we'll see. Uh,
1: Welcome at on the Bears, I'm hoping. Or? Uh, no.
0: No, we'll get to the Caps <laughs> and their huge win later in the program. But as mentioned, Blake, the huge victory Saturday night at Nat Bailey Stadium where the Seas beat the Everett Aquasox and win the Northwest League Championship. It is their fifth all-time Northwest League Championship and their first in full season ball. In fact, you have to go back to 1999 and the AAA Canadiens to find the last title team at that. I Baylor covered Seaman. that team. Full season I was bought. on sports
1: page at the time. I was mm. covering that team. Let me read the tweet from Brent Lavely, the
0: skipper of this club from North Delta. And we talked to Brent a few weeks ago. What a season, what a team, what a staff. Incredible honor to be part of this team and this organization. And so special to be able to share this experience with family and friends through our attached photos, including his wife and kids and his mom and dad who were regulars at the game. Brent says, thank you, Vancouver Canadians and everyone involved. And as we said to Brent a few weeks ago, I sure hope this means onwards and upwards for him in his career. Because as Andy Dunn will tell you, we had some good ball players this year. Don't get me wrong, but it's not like this club was loaded or teeming with top prospects or anything like that. It was different guys stepping up. It was a never say die attitude. It was good pitching it was understanding you're playing before an expectant audience at Nat Bailey Stadium and rising to that challenge. I mean, it's just about when you think how when you think of the different ways a baseball season can go. You win, you win early. You win the first half early. You keep your foot on the gas pedal. Okay, they had a few blips late in the season. I think they were just bored waiting for the playoffs to start. They pitched well, they played good defense, they won at home. I mean What more can you ask for? I'm really happy. Perfect
1: season. I'm really happy it turned out this way because as we saw, they they stumbled uh, at the end of the season. They had already booked their ticket because they Mm -hmm. won the first half, but it it would have been unfair by the sporting gods (laughs) to deny this championship with a, a little bit of a scuffle at the end and a couple of players being called up the ladder that. It, this was the best team in the Northwest League. It just was. Mm-hmm. They deserved the title. Absolutely. And they went out and got it. So it, it was, it's great.
0: And it was a hell of a managerial job and coaching job by Brent Lavallee and his staff. At the major league level, boy, how things are changing here. You don't like how things are going in the American League? Wait three days. Wait three days. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jay, sweep, uh, Jay sweep the Boston Red Sox, Dodgers sweep the Mariners, Guardians sweep the Rangers. Over the course of the weekend, so suddenly, Toronto into the second wild card spot, a half game up of te- on Texas, who host Boston tonight, one and a half up on Seattle, who are in Oakland tonight.
1: Only Jays sweeps for the Jays. Oh, the last three series sweeps, sweeps, two wins, one loss, exactly. And they're six and four in their last ten. Right. How many times do you lose four straight, get swept, and you're still six and four in your last ten?
0: It's crazy. And so still playing to hash out in the American League. And uh, a reminder, I stumbled across this last year. There is no more play in game. Game 163, you go head-to-head record if there is a tie. So no one's going to be let off the hook here with an opportunity to play that extra regular season game, which they've been doing in baseball for 100 years, if necessary. It's all down to what is on the schedule over the next 13 days. Let's get to today's menu. It's brought to you by AG1.
1: Drink AG1 and know that you have dealt with your nutrition for that day. That's why That's why I love it. It gives me peace of mind that I've at least done something well eating-wise, and you can do the same. So you can go to drinkag1.com slash Sycharis and Price to unlock a special offer.
0: We'll get to the welcome mat here on a... Unbelievable weekend for Vancouver sports. We'll we'll invite Jeff Patterson in, our Canucks reporter. rink Jeff Patterson. We'll we'll look back on young stars and look forward to storylines at training camp, which begins this week in Victoria for the Vancouver Canucks. We'll also get to some some hashtags, including uh, pretty good weekend on the mic in the National Football League.
1: No matter what you're buying, folks, when you're out in the world looking for this, that, and the other, I think you want to support businesses that you feel good about supporting. You can feel good about supporting the Applewood Auto Group. Uh, They've made the car business and communities around them a whole lot better with their work in the community. Go and find out why it is indeed all good at Applewood. Visit them online anytime at applewood.ca. Let's get into it. I don't know if it was malicious.
0: Probably not. But I do know it was another WTF moment. My question to ownership would be, was it worth it? And the architect, and I use that term loosely, given there wasn't much architecture, more finger painting with this team. It's like the running of the bulls in Pamplona. You know someone is going to get hurt. That's what you all need to understand here, right now. The losing is over, Vancouver. Finally, we've got some winners in town. An extraordinary weekend for Vancouver sports as the Canadians win another championship. The Lions offer the biggest comeback in franchise history. And the Whitecaps beat a Canadian rival to move into fourth place, potentially home field advantage in the MLS playoffs. We haven't had a weekend like this in a long time, if ever. Start with the Canadians, who win both games at Nat Bailey Stadium in the Northwest League final. They beat Everett 10-2 Saturday night before a sold that house 30, uh, 64-13 to win their fifth league championship, their first since moving a full season high A ball. It was a season unlike any other for the season. Their, the, their pitching was league best. They became known as the cardiac Canadians for 12 walk-off victories and a never-say-die attitude under skipper Brent Lavely of North Delta. They finished 44-23 and at home this season amongst the best home records in all of baseball, rewarding the crowds that supported them all season through a rainy April and scorching hot nooners. Congrats to Lively, staff, players, club president Andy, Andy Dunn and his staff, job not just well done, but damn near perfection at the Nat this year. The Lions remind us, CFL rules, they allow for amazing comebacks, especially when a team refuses to quit. Their 19-point fourth-quarter comeback, the biggest in club history, the second-largest in league history, Came complete with the 120-yard missed field goal return from Terry Williams. A touchdown catch by Lucky Whitehead with 16 seconds left seals the deal. And the Leos get help around the league as both Winnipeg and Saskatchewan lose. Those results put BC just one half game back of Winnipeg for first place in the West. Lions have a game in hand. They play host to the Bombers on October 6th. They also move three games up on the Rough Riders, all but ensuring they will host another game at BC Place this season. Another playoff game. Then there's the Whitecaps, who win 2 1 in Toronto with several regulars either missing or ailing. Caps have won three of their first four games on this epic seven game road trip and moved into fourth place in the MLS West, which is good for a home playoff games should they finish there. One weekend, four wins by local teams, two of them led to a championship, and two of them inspire great hope for the rest of this year. Your move, Vancouver Canucks. That's welcome, Matt, for today. We invite your feedback. Feedback channels as follows on email, live at com. You can text seven seven eight four zero two ninety six eighty. It's the Great Clips text message inbox on Twitter, I'm at Matt Sakaris Secures, at Price. and the welcome, out a presentation of Great Clips, the official hair salon of the NHL. Visit greatclips.com today to find a salon near you. You could almost extend it to
1: Seattle, too. It's only the Mariners that really let us down. Seahawks uh, did their part. Um, but they're not Vancouver. No. I realize they no. got a lot of fans here. Yeah. But, but it was, it was like, nearly like a
0: no, but regional round trip. And really, you know, the Canadians are the exception because more often than not, they're competitive. But there was a stretch there, partner, as you remember, where not only was the hockey team stinking the joint out, but the football team was oh, just yeah. a mess. Mm-hmm. The soccer club was just a mess. And you're sitting there going, this might be the worst sports market in North America right now with how bad all three of these teams are simultaneously. I don't know how
1: many editorials we both wrote about, you know, now would be the time if Team X wanted to get things on track. They might be able to get a bigger piece of the audience if they were good and uh, nobody could get going. And now the cup runneth over. Wow. (laughs) Yes. There was plenty of goodwill and
0: tidings available in the Vancouver sport market oh, yeah. there for a number of years and finally they're stepping up and they're stepping up in conjunction happy hour brought to you by yellow dog brewing neighborhood brewing workshop spirits and the penticton v season well underway means it's time to visit the neighborhood watch it's a vendor experience at the south okanagan event center Enjoy your favorite neighborhood beers while attending any event or a Penticton V's game. And Blake and I have been there several times. Fantastic vantage point. End of the workday. Treat yourself to a Yellow Dog neighborhood or workshop spirit. Here's some price from wall center presentation Apple auto group. Hashtags the best and worst of twitter.com brought to you by Jason Hominick, Jason. Mortgage. We know the market right now is well, it's hard to understand. Yeah, lots going on <laughs> there. Are lots of info and speculation about where it's going. If you're thinking about buying a home, find out where you stand now. Get yourself pre approved. Don't play catch up. Find out more from Jason at Jason.mortgage.
1: Uh, this is uh. Speaking of not a, not easy to understand at our Westhead lawyer and special advisor Bob Copeland released his findings today after he was hired to help determine the future of Simon Fraser University's discontinued football program Copeland wrote SFU's athletics department projects a 1.7 million dollar deficit in 2324 and quote there is not a clear unencumbered path for the reinstatement of SFU football end quote." um this is uh not good news not Mm. good news i mean unless there's just going to be some sort of angel donation here that comes from uh some well-heeled folk um you know i think SFU is going to claim that they have every right to eliminate the program
0: yeah
1: and i mean at the end
0: of the day they do it's an expensive program. It's a very expensive program to run. It is a particularly expensive program to run when you're playing road games in the United States. Yeah.
1: Traveling far distances. And when you can't get any sort of ticket revenue, remember all those colleges in the in the South, like they get several thousand yeah, every no, exactly. game.
0: And they tend to have alumni bases that are contributing. That's right. So it's a uh a much different deal, and if they want to add NCAA Division One hockey too, yeah, well, that's,
1: that, that's well, and that's more conspiracy than anything, but yeah. Well, it's and the possible.
0: other the other thing is is you're getting nothing from playing these American opponents. You're getting your head kicked in on the field, and you're not
1: developing a falling. You're not helping school spirit. Well, you haven't. None of that. You haven't become an oasis either. Like the whole idea no, is exactly that, that you become an oasis for prospects, right? But the thing, the fact of the matter
0: is, is that Canadian high school football is well scouted enough now that if you're a good player, it's not like the old days where you know some of your only scholarship opportunities might be at SFU because you know you're just not as visible to these NCAA programs. You know, not to mention the fact that a lot of the best high school players in Canada now are, are finding their way to these U.S. academies or even Canadian academies mm-hmm. back east. Mm-hmm. So the model is broken. And if they do bring a team back, and I certainly hope as a football person, I certainly hope they bring a team back, it's got to play U.Sport sport and revive the shrumble, which we saw last year. At we Sports. this might be the greatest comment from an official ever. Quote, I'm talking to America right here. This was head referee Tony Kemp in the Seahawks-Lions game last night after that dreadful pass interference, or a, sorry, a intentional grounding call on Geno Smith. I mean, it looked like a clear miscommunication with the receiver. The receiver broke, and Geno threw it to the corner. He somehow got a intentional grounding. Boy, the Seahawks can't catch an officiating break in that stadium, although many Lions fans saying there was a missed holding call. On the and, there was, yeah. and there was. And there was. Um, But Gino goes to protest, and the official says, I'm talking to America right here because the mic's on. He's announcing the penalty, which I must say, I was amused and laughed at first, too. Now I'm wondering if it's a little bit of ump show, though. You know? Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, this is my time. Yeah. Away. Yeah, exactly. Here's where I get to be on national television.
1: Uh, Speaking of football, at at SI now, leave it to Bill Belichick to give NFL fans a call to be in awe of. Belichick once again reinventing the wheel to some degree. You don't often see the safety activated to block a field goal, but Belichick calls for the safety to go on a head start on the block, and Brendan Schooler goes flying out of your – like if you're watching the screen – like like a bat out of a hell from the left side of the screen, just comes a schooler. Blink of an eye, he jumps in front of the, the kick and blocks it. Um, he he does find creative not, ways. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, all for naught. They fall short there in their comeback attempt, which is again another controversial call. What did you think of that call at the, at the end with the lateral? I mean, that was... That looked like it was across the line to me. They go to video review and in the end they say it's not a first down and give the win to Miami, but... What a play! Again, even that creativity, like Belichick is—you know—for as much as he looks old school and talks old school, on the field he's he's as new school as it gets. Well, he's
0: a, he's always been an innovator, and yeah. he's going to need to innovate to get them out of this zero and two. I also love the challenge flag frustration. Yes, <laughs> slammed. Massive <laughs> aggressive at all. <laughs> at ESPN, quote: Kelsey finds a blank space for the score. Iron Eagle on Travis Kelsey's first touchdown catch of the season. Chiefs win in the return of Travis Kelsey and Chris Jones, who is a man-child in this game, in Jacksonville in a playoff rematch. So there you have it. Iron Eagle has broken the seal, and I imagine you're going to have a lot of Taylor Swift references Yes, so long as she continues to be romantically linked. To the Kansas City tight end. they are just True. hanging
1: out, man. Why are you bringing romance well, into this? They're sorry, just I'm hanging whatever. out, you know. Why can't two people of the opposite sex just
0: hang out? I'm, I'm I didn't mean to uh, <laughs> advance their relationship, <laughs> but I think you're going to hear more of this because let's face it, Taylor Swift is now ubiquitous.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, she it's, is everywhere. The way of life. It's, it's, she yeah, really yeah, is. Yeah. She's a lifestyle. Yeah, at this point. Uh, I'll read two back to back here. At CBC Sports, less than 24 hours till the PWHL official draft live streaming coverage of the event at CBC headquarters in Toronto begins at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Smash cut to at Gino Redd at TSN. The biggest day in the history of women's hockey from Brian Burke. The PWHL draft live on TSN at 1 Eastern and 10 a.m. Pacific Time. Um, I can only glean from this that. The PWHL is just inviting everybody to cover the draft, which is the way to do it. Yep. I mean, don't don't try to like get exclusive here. You want as many people looking no. at this as possible, Absolutely. and it sounds like there's at least a couple of the big networks in Canada carrying it live. You may not
0: know um but we already have we already know Mary Philip Polans playing for yes. Montreal. Yeah. So there are players who are excluded from this draft, or is she going to be drafted by Montreal?
1: So no, she's she's already signed. So every okay. team was able to go out in advance and sign three players. Okay, gotcha. So you. those three, uh, that, those were the Montreal three three players. So there's 18 players signed already. Gotcha. The draft happens now, and within the draft, there's still some really brand name players there. Uh, th- so every team has to pay at least six players a minimum of 80 grand. So there's going to be the top draft picks here. The first eighteen picks of the yeah. uh, you know are are going to get paid yes. you know, decent wages, a living yeah.
0: wage for yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. Lastly, at Bubba Prague, Timothy Birkin, <whistles> the Tampa, Florida area. We talked about how it was a fun weekend, a good weekend for Vancouver sports. Lest we forget how Tom Brady completely changed that town's sports. Tim writes, the Rowdies, this is soccer, clinched a playoff spot tonight. Tampa Bay's four pro sports teams have now made the playoffs 14 straight times, and it has been 1,364 days since a Tampa Bay pro sports team has been eliminated from playoff contention. Wow, it's a pretty good run. The Rays have clinched. And there is word today that the Rays are getting a new downtown stadium yes, in St. Pete, a 30,000 seat fixed roof stadium where the county and the city are going to contribute.
1: Is there no days where you want the top off? Like, do you really want the fixed roof? I get it. It's mostly sweltering humidity like and all that. Like, you and I go down to Florida for the sun.
0: Floridians.
1: They love the AC. They've got enough yeah. sun in their day-to-day that the
0: AC works just fine. Yeah. Of Course, it's an older demographic, yeah, a little bit as well. Uh, so it looks like they're gonna stay in town. It looks like this is missing, you know, Montreal is missing, yeah, its opportunity. There's some funding issues it.
1: there, they have to sort yeah, out the well, public we'll funding. We'll see, we'll see. Yeah.
0: I mean, because let's face it, the folks in South Florida are none too pleased about the funding for the Marlins, yeah, new stadium. So we'll see. And uh, not only have the race clinched, but the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Baker Mayfield are 2 0. Yeah, and one of the surprises of this young and they look good season. doing it. Like it's and as much as I think the Lightning are due to fall off here soon, I would suspect they make the playoffs yep. this year too. I would bet
1: on them making the playoffs. Yeah, <laughs> who who knew Tampa would be like all, all they, they do is win, D- win, win. Sports City. Mm-hmm.
0: And and if you take it back, like it it dates close back to the beginning of the pandemic. In fact, uh, I think there was a follow up tweet where he said. The last time a Tampa team was officially eliminated from playoff contention goes back to the like first coronavirus case in Wuhan, province. Hmm. So that's how long it's been since the Tampa sports a, scene has been, been, been without, a harbinger of good for them. Yeah, yes. exactly. Yeah. Has been without a playoff team. Lightning are finally rested this year after all those long playoff. Yeah, maybe right. Maybe they get one final kick in yeah, the can. Yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe. And that's hashtags for today. of Price from Wall Center and a presentation.
1: Applewood Auto Group. You know, uh, I I love finding new features on my Mitsubishi Outlander, and uh, I have found a feature that um, might be a little bit... You have plenty of time there on the drive
0: to Penticton and back.
1: There's... uh, Electric engines can be very fast. Um, Those Mm -hmm. that have uh, other brands might have realized this already. The Outlander has a power function. (laughs) And Todd at Income has an Outlander. Ah. And he said, Have you played around with the with the power function? I was like, No, I saw it there, but he's like, try it. <laughs>
0: So we had a fast trip home from Penticton? Is that Honestly, what we're saying?
1: You, you flip it to power and you are in wow. a rocket ship. So, <laughs> again, <laughs> head to Mitsubishi, Applewood Mitsubishi at the Richmond Auto Mall. Take it for a test drive. Hey, during the month of September, you might win twenty-five grand because of that test drive. Why not? Mm. It's all at Applewood Mitsubishi. Bodog, poll question. Are you more excited for this Connect season than last year? Yes or no?
0: You can vote at Secure some Price on Twitter. Bodog, line of the day for me. Interesting player prop for the NHL season. Connor McDavid versus the field in scoring. McDavid is the minus 230 favorite. The field is plus 170. He won the Art Ross by 25 points last year. So if you're taking the field, you're pretty much banking on a Connor McDavid injury of about 12 or 13 games. I'm going Connor on your Bodog line of the day. Well, that's not a crazy injury these days. No, it isn't. yeah, Yeah. But by
1: the same token, I, uh, that's an interesting bet. Hey, let's ask our all, next all guest. sorts
0: of player props. Uh, interesting here uh, as the NHL season winds on up. Here he is, rankwise Jeff Patterson, our Canucks reporter, fresh from a weekend in Penticton at the Young Stars tournament. Jeff, how are you?
2: I'm doing well. I uh, didn't have a power button or a power function, but I did motor home. From Not in a motorhome, but I did motor my way back from <laughs> Penticton after a Sunday's game. So I uh, had a late-night drive on the Coke, but uh, made it home safe and sound.
0: Was Grady as good a navigator with you as he was with Blake on Friday morning when he slept well, for he, four hours?
2: Yeah, he w- wasn't a navigator at all. He was uh, snoring heavily in the passenger seat, so he seemed to enjoy his ride. Uh, you know, I just let him have his beauty sleep over there and did my thing.
0: Are you like a horse? You can fall asleep anywhere and just be totally
1: undisturbed by your surroundings. Oh, when you work as hard as I do, uh, you got to oh, get your beauty look rest. Look at in. this. Look at this. I had Here music going go. the whole time. Still didn't
0: uh he didn't take right away a minute
2: it.
1: from his 4-hour nap. Yeah. No. Uh,
0: Jeff, who and what stood out to you at youngsters?
2: Well, Aiden mcdonough's shot is NHL ready, but I think we knew that. I mean, he scored in his brief uh Appearance with the Canucks late last season. And again, this is... And context matters here. Because the Canucks had the four guys that played in the NHL. They had nine guys that spent uh, most of their seasons in the American Hockey League. And then they had their goaltender, Nikita Tolapilo, who, you know, led the second division over in Sweden in save percentage last year. Like, this is an experienced young stars team. And for five and a half periods, uh, really, it looked like no contest. Full credit to the Winnipeg Jets on Sunday afternoon. It was 2-0 Canucks midway through the third and Winnipeg didn't look like it really cared about coming back in the hockey game, but they stuck with it, ended up winning in a shootout. Uh, the, the final result, and the scores don't matter. This is a tournament or a showcase, as it were, for individual evaluation. So Aiden McDonough scoring in both of the, the first two games, like that's a really good sign that uh, you put him in a position, especially on the power play. He's got a big-time shot, and it just started to make me think that there's this opening in the bumper for the Vancouver Canucks. I don't think he's going to be there this year. But in years to come, like it doesn't take much for him to get that shot away. He's got quick release, and he has precision. And both of his goals were goal-score goals uh, in the first couple of games at Young Stars. So Aiden McDonough, you know, you want guys like that to step up and stand out, and I think he did. I thought he was better on Friday in the route over Calgary than he was on Sunday against Winnipeg. But end of the day, did he score? Yeah, he scored in both of those games. And so he left his mark on, on those hockey games. I thought on Friday, guys, I thought... McDonough and Max Sasson were probably the two best forwards for the Canucks. And then in Sunday's game against Winnipeg, you had Atu Ratu and Archdeep Baines playing together. And there was no doubt in the first couple of periods that those two stood out. And so, again, those are the guys you want to elevate. Those are the guys that we should be talking about. And I thought uh, all of them acquitted themselves uh, relatively nicely. Ratu had a quiet night on Friday, but uh, he was engaged. He was, uh, you know, you saw... Uh, his passing ability. You saw some playmaking. Uh, In the third period, uh, you know, he got a little fired up and took a penalty, but it was a roughing penalty. He didn't like the the treatment that he got after the whistle. And so uh, even in a young star showcase kind of game, you know, there was uh, a little bit of uh, feistiness and fire from Ratu. And I'm not sure that that's there every night that he plays. And Archie Baines is just such a heady player. And we heard that when they signed him and all of the rave reviews out of Abbotsford as this high scorer out of the Western League adapted and adjusted to becoming a pro. And, you know, yes, he scored the first goal on a power play on Sunday afternoon, paid a price, went to the front of the net, got his own rebound. But there were so many plays where just positionally he is so sound. And I think that's the kind of thing that coaches and management and evaluators are going to look at. And, You know, if he continues to develop that and just brings that on a nightly basis, I do think that Archie Baines is going to play games in the National Hockey League, whether it's this year. He may still need another full year in the minor league level, but uh, I was really impressed with Archie Baines, uh, just the way that they used him all situations power play penalty kill and 5 on 5. I thought he had a really strong outing on Sunday against Winnipeg.
0: On Ratu and it's kind of a uh, it's an interesting player profile here because he's somewhat of a 200-foot center, at least that's what some people think who watch him. Despite the fact that he's not a particularly great skater, Chris Faber told us on Friday, "Such a good forechecker, you almost think he's better off at wing." He makes a play defensively on in Friday's game where the Vancouver Giant Samuel Hanzik has taken the putts straight to the net front area from the corner the rick nash style play and attu comes down and just wipes him out and present prevents a scoring chance so he wasn't perfect but you can see why at what 20 21 years old there are some people who believe that he is going to be an nhl bottom bottom six uh centerman uh jeff what did you make of the two defensemen who have nhl experience
1: hirosi and mcward rossi look good on Friday, have on
2: well, I thought he looked good in both games. And again, as he should. You expect, he should. He should. Yeah. And, you know, was he dominant? No, but there's just such poise at, I and mean, there was poise in the games that he played in the National Hockey League. So, of course, he applies that at this level and just able to settle things down, break the pucks out, got a lot of power play time. You know, he had two assists in each game. And they only scored two goals on Sunday, and he was in on both of them. Mm-hmm. And so. Uh, Yeah, I thought he kind of just quietly went about his business, put his stamp on things. I will say that I I thought maybe we would see a bigger version of Akito Hirose after playing in the NHL, getting his feet wet, understanding what it's going to take to be at that level, and then having a full season. Uh, I was a little surprised when I just saw him uh, walking around the rink uh, in sweats after the game. You know, he still looks remarkably slight. Now, Quinn Hughes seems to have been able to make a go of it in the NHL as an undersized guy, but how many of those do you want? How many can you have? And he's going to be in tough. For all that Akito Hirose has done to impress people in this organization, keep in mind that a player like Christian Mulanin has 100 NHL games under his belt, was the American Hockey League defenseman of the year, and just has you know so much more experience at the professional level than a guy like Hirose. And then you throw in a Matt Irwin. Uh, Guillaume Brisebois is still in the organization. And you know I think he's going to want to put his best foot forward. So there's going to be competition on that left side third pairing, but I think Akito Hirose, you know, used Penticton for what he needed to do, and that is just find his game early on so that when he gets to main camp, uh, he should hit the ground running there. And Cole McWhorne, I thought, was really good on Friday night. Had a goal, had an assist, had another offensive dash in the third period that uh, didn't amount to a a goal, but certainly it was a a dangerous opportunity that he created with his skating. You know, I think there's still a fair bit of intrigue around him because he's a right-shot guy. He's young, and he's twenty two, and so I think he really would benefit from a full season in the American Hockey League and still try to figure out exactly like where he slots in, like what is his game because he had that's it. You know, he had some points at Ohio State, but he didn't blow like the record books you know out of the water and those types of things. So I don't know ultimately you know when he arrives as a true pro. what is his game, but he's got decent size, he's got good skating ability, and again, he's that right side guy, and, and for the longest time, that's been a real weakness in the organization, you know, Philip Johansson, again, another guy, a first rounder a few years ago, three years of pro experience over in Sweden, like you would expect that he would have stood out at this tournament, I didn't think he was great on Friday night, thought he was a little bit better, just looked more comfortable and a little more confident on Sunday in the game against Winnipeg, but uh, he does not look ready to play in the National Hockey League. Like, I think he's going to need a full year of adjusting to North American ice and the North American game. And I, I wanted to see a little bit more from Philip Johansson than I did in the first couple of games at Young Stars.
1: I was going to ask you with the increased sample size, albeit only a couple of games, if you sort of got a better idea on the profile of these players. You kind of outlined McWard's game there. Did you learn any more about herosi's game um, or is the, the template the that we saw at the end of last year, that's still the one that we're working off of?
2: Yeah, I mean, he's really he's a, a cerebral player. And I think we got that in the small dose that we saw him at the NHL level. Like, he had three assists in the six or seven games that he played. And, you know, I talked about the fact that he picked up multiple points in both the games this weekend on the power play. Like, it's not flashy. It's just putting pucks on the sticks In the right spot, you know, we talk about service in soccer. Uh, He seems to have that knack, and there's some value in that. You know, he's not looking for the home run all the time, but he's looking to put his teammates in positions to make things happen. So uh, I was impressed with his puck moving in the offensive zone. Again, he gets around the ice. He's not the most fluid skater, but I think he can skate uh, in the modern game. And then defensively, it's just a question of going up against guys that have been doing this for a living for a while, you know, at his size. Uh, But again, I invoke Quinn Hughes, you know, there are different ways to defend, defend with your legs, defend with your stick, Uh, positioning, you're not going to run guys through the end boards, that's not his game. But if he can put himself in position to make guys go around him, uh, you know, I I think he's kind of got that sense of understanding the plays the way that they're unfolding. One of those guys that I think is, you know, his reads allow him maybe to be a step ahead of opponents a little bit. And, And you saw some of that again at that level but he's facing you know junior guys that are gonna go back to their major junior teams other guys that are just turning pro this is a 24 year old coming off four years of college and a little sample of life in the National Hockey League so uh, he was expected to stand out and I think he did and uh, looking forward to seeing what he takes out of Penticton as he jumps to the next level now main camp uh, starting on Thursday.
0: And the other, the other youngsters' question I want to ask you is about the, your dealings and Jeremy Carlton and how you think he did running the bench, because that was a great news story for the Vancouver Canucks last year. Players developed at the American Hockey League level, and that was under the new coach, Jeremy Carlton. So a word or two about what you saw from the Canucks AHL coach, who, of course, has NHL head, head coaching experience with Chicago.
2: Right. And I thought it was really interesting just the way things unfolded that Friday night in that 7-1 romp against Calgary. Well, guess who's behind Calgary's bench? It's Trent Cull. And so, you know, I, I don't think there's no message sending of any kind at uh, a Young Stars tournament. But uh, for Jeremy Colleton, you know, I, I do think that there was a time here where Canuck fans sort of feared when they would send players down to Utica or even that first year in Abbotsford that, You know, what kind of coaching were they getting? What kind of instruction and development? I didn't get that sense at all last year that you've got a guy that's been in the NHL, wants to get back to the NHL. I truly believe Jeremy Colton will get a second shot and maybe more than that. But, you know, he's working on one after his time in Chicago. He'll get that next opportunity. And so you've got a guy that's aspiring to get back to the National Hockey League. But I don't think he's in a hurry to get there. But that's pretty good pedigree to have behind the bench of your AHL team uh, I've always enjoyed my my dealings with him. He's uh, a likable guy. Uh, you know, I like the way that he sees the game. It was funny on the bench yesterday. I mean, he had his two assistants from Abbotsford, but he also had Henrik Sedin and Michael Samuelson. And then they had a couple of traders. Like, he looked like a subway at rush hour. Um, you know, back there, like he didn't have room to move. But uh, it won't always be that case uh, once Abbotsford gets up and running. But I, I think the Canucks have a a good one there. And I do think that he's going to be able to continue to develop players like Archdeep Baines and Tristan Nielsen. Like we're talking about Tristan Nielsen as a guy that, you know, may be able to make a case for an NHL job at some point, uh, you know, but he'll only get there if he continues to grow his game at the American Hockey League level. And that'll be under the tutelage of a guy like Jeremy Collin. So I think the farmhands are in good hands with uh, Mm and the staff that they've got down there. And of course, now the fact that the Sedins are hands-on in Abbotsford and that, you know, management, whether it's Cami Granato or Patrick Galvin and Jim Rutherford, whoever, you know, even Rick Tockett said that he made a trip out to Abbotsford uh, just because he wanted to see what was, you know, the whole experience was all about. So, uh, I mean, this is the benefit now of having the farm team in their backyard. It's there. It's been established for a couple of seasons. And I think this is a year that uh, you really could see some growth uh, individually, but collectively as the group. Uh, and what they're doing and, and the playing abbotsford important canucks.
1: games too because i think they're going to be a good team again i, I yep. would guess that mm-hmm. abbotsford is a good team they're going to get good goaltending and so um the, you know in the same way that we talk about the vancouver canadians being a, a good uh, proving ground because they're playing important games and in front of people i think the same is going to be said for the abbotsford canucks they're going to be playing important games and and developing uh that skill as well uh, a lot yeah, of yeah last... just on
2: on, on that yeah. point just quickly like yeah, I mean, we're looking at that team out in, in Penticton. A lot of those guys will be going to, to Abbotsford. But of course, I mean, there's such a glut of wingers at the big league level. And we saw last year, Hoaglander and Pod Colson, uh, you know, the guys that don't make this team. If right. you're, you know, now maybe there's trades to be had, but, you know, they could be getting some support from above mm-hmm. as well. And so I think it's going to be a good team. And then you maybe bolster it, uh, you know, with some guys that have NHL experience and just try to make it that much better.
1: Uh, the big guys uh, brass and included go down for the Jake Milford uh, the uh, the golf classic today uh, for the Vancouver Canucks and then it's training camp at the at the end of the week it sort of feels like it's that time doesn't it uh, it's uh the the rubber meets the road here at the end of the week
2: it's incredible really when you step back and I don't know if you guys had a chance to from your vantage point to look up at sort of the the suite that the Vancouver Canucks occupied uh, throughout the weekend in Penticton but like it really is the entire front office, the entire scouting department, uh, you name it, they're there. And I just think like, you know, the, the costs of hotel rooms and everything else, like there's no expense spared here from the Canucks perspective. And I think it's a reward for the scouting staff. I mean, some of these guys are, you know, they had were hands-on obviously and in drafting some of the players is the first chance some of the players uh, to put a Canucks uniform on. But it, they really do bring just about everybody from the organization. And so, uh, Francesco he was there on Sunday afternoon, but Jim Rutherford and Patrick Elvine throughout the week, uh, the Canucks NHL coaching staff was there. And then, as I said, all of the uh, the rest of the front office and, and the scouting staff. And so lots of eyeballs. And if you're a prospect, I think that's important. I think that was one of the knocks when the farm team was in Utica. Like I heard stories from players that, you know, they wondered who was watching, who was really doing the evaluation. They didn't know if management was coming in from Vancouver, uh, but now uh, again, on a nightly basis. There are so many people in the player development department that are there in the building out in Abbotsford when they're playing. And so, you know, I, I just think you want to know that you're being watched and your good play is going to be rewarded. So, uh, yeah, they'll take their findings. And uh, I would imagine here in the next day or two, we'll get a, a roster for main training camp and a lot of the players in Penticton uh, will advance. I would imagine they'll send a few of the junior age players back to their uh, rel- respective teams there. But uh, yeah, on Wednesday, there will be the Day before camp uh, availabilities with uh, Patrick Elvine and Rick Tockett and a handful of players. I think that's maybe one we'll hear from Elias Patterson. It may be the first time that we hear from Tanner Pearson and get a true update on him and his situation as well. And I'm told that they're going to have to do it off site because the Labor Cup has taken over Rogers Arena. So mm. uh, they're getting booted out of their own building for tennis. So I think uh, they're going to do all of the media at uh, the Park Hotel uh, just down the street from Rogers Arena.
0: Ah, well, let's hope when they get back into the building, it has all the requirements for a proper preseason. Maybe Roger Federer will leave some goat dust behind. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Bodog poll question today. Are you more excited for this Connect season than last year? Jeff, what says you?
2: You know me. I'm excited about every, every season, but I think there is reason to at least watch closely to see, you know, how much better did they get in the off season? Like the, 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 Money that they had, and they didn't have a ton, but I think they spent it wisely. They certainly targeted areas. They felt they had to get better defensively on the penalty kill. And then, you know, a little bit more of a supporting cast and some more depth, uh, particularly at center. Uh, So, you know, I want to see a healthy Thatcher Demko, and I hope that he is healthy and, you know, doesn't encounter uh, the experiences he did last year because, I mean, they were already sort of coming off the rails uh, when he got hurt on December the 1st. But once he went down for three months uh, they didn't stand a chance. So, yeah, I mean, there's lots of storylines. Obviously, Elias, Pet- Elias Petterson and his future, that is going to be at the top of most people's lists uh, when you think of intriguing storylines. But, you know, even a player like Quinn Hughes, like, how much better can he get? He's already at such an elevated level, but now as the captain, you know, what does that do? Is it any sort of burden on him or does it fuel him uh, even further? And ultimately, like, you know, how high can he push his point totals that have already been, you know, I mean, he's rewritten the record book twice, and you kind of feel like maybe, you know, if he's got a better supporting cast, if they find the right partner for him, uh, you know, if the power play can improve, uh, I think there is some growth on the point totals. But we also saw last year that point totals ultimately don't matter when Elias Pettersson's putting up 102 and Quinn's pushing 80, and they're still 10 points shy of the playoffs. So I think there's an understanding on the players front that it is more about the team game, but I think the organization has made some improvements and, you know, we'll start to get a sense of what Rick Tox is thinking here at main camp, you know, defensive pairings and some forward combinations. And I'm really curious about penalty killing duos. I, you know, it, it, you don't often go into a season sort of focusing on the penalty kill, but when it's been as bad as it's been the last two years, like even getting to league average would be a quantum leap for the Vancouver Canucks. So I'm kind of curious to see, how they think they're going to go about improving that penalty kill and who's going to be playing with whom and who will be first out over the boards. And, you know, they, they probably won't get to special teams practice uh, until the second or third day, but they are playing a game, a preseason game on Sunday. So I think that they'd have to at least uh, do a little bit of baby mm-hmm. steps uh, in terms of some, you know, special teams work. So uh, we'll be there in Victoria. We'll be keeping a close eye and be reporting back on all of those little details. It's the details, guys, that, uh, mm. you know, give to hopefully help this team improve
0: last question here Jeff but is the presence and availability of Ilya Mikheyev the biggest story on the first day of training camp is there anything you'll be watching I think
2: it's past like Tanner Pearson always was but having watched Pearson now a few times like I think he's going to be a full participant I want to hear from Tanner Pearson uh you know just the mindset and sort of uh, see if he can fill in a few blanks about uh, all that he's been through but yes there's mm-hmm. now uh, there certainly are some red flags around Ilimacayev, and there were from the moment that uh, Milstein was on with you guys, where he talked about him hopefully being ready to go for training camp, and then the suggestion that they may have to, you know, monitor him, and you know, is he going to be a participant on day one? And if not, you know, what is the process? What's the program? What's the prognosis for him? So, yes, I would say beyond utilization of players and sort of getting a sense of targets thinking with some forward lines and defensive pairings individually for me. uh, Yeah. Ilya Kev right there at the top of the list.
0: Yeah. I think has to be marvelous stuff, Jeff. Thank you for this. We'll catch up later this week.
2: All right, guys. Sounds good.
1: some
0: price from Wall Center Presentation Apple at Auto Group. You can text us 778-402-9680. It's the Great Clips text message inbox. Great Clips. It's going to be great. A little more here on Vancouver Whitecaps FC, who are now clearly the undisputed kings of Canada when it comes to footy. Mm-hmm. We know they won a second straight Canadian championship. They've now beat TFC and CF Montreal in MLS regular season play. In fact, they have five wins and a draw in their last seven matches. They're also undefeated against the Eastern Conference this year. It's four wins and two draws. And uh, undefeated when Ali Ahmed starts, six wins, two draws. Yeah. They were able to win this match 2-1 in Toronto, missing... Well, as we mentioned Friday, Santa Atakube not playing. Junior Hoylet in street clothes. He hasn't joined the squad really yet. Kubis was missing. Yeah. And he's a DP. And Vite was only fit enough to come off the bench. And still they win. They had one win away from BC Place before the seven game roadie and are now 3 0 1. In the first four. So the, rather than being the death
1: of them for this season. Exactly. This seven-game road trip. It's been, a, it's been a springboard. May have turned it around. It didn't need turning around. It needed to continue with momentum. And it, yeah, mm-hmm. you're right. It's just, it's accelerated mm-hmm. their rise in the Western Conference. They are now fourth with games in hand on basically everyone around them. You, you, I just wish there was a standalone game that would make them catch up in the games played column so that they, yeah. we could sort of see it more more comparatively. I mean, it'll eventually catch up, obviously. But I'm just so curious because if they win this game in hand, they are, of course, Matt, dare to oh, dream, I know, I dare know, to d- really know. dream here. If they won their two games in hand on St. Louis, they would be two points back of the yeah. conference lead. That might be that's a bird, maybe a, a bridge, bridge far. too far.
0: Yeah, I'm beaten in six on the road, which includes League's Cup. They're now up to fourth place in the MLS West, which is home field advantage. In the best of three. That is the first round. Right. They're one point back of third place Seattle with two games in hand. They're two points back of second place LAFC with a game in hand. Yeah.
1: So win your game in hand and you jump two teams. And uh, St. Louis and LAFC on Wednesday. Mm -hmm. So... Vancouver and Houston on Wednesday. It's a tough
0: one. Well, Vanny thinks it's going to be tough because now you're looking at the totality of all this travel that's building up, and Houston can still be quite warm at this time of year.
1: So they, he's a little worried there. They came home, by the way. They So they played Toronto. They came home. Yeah. They'll leave again tomorrow, um, and they're going to stay out and play Houston Wednesday, Salt Lake, on the weekend. Right. And, of course, the Salt Lake game is at altitude. And that's a team that is vying in the West. Houston is 9-2-3 and three at home. Interesting, Salt Lake are road warriors. They're only 5-5-4 five, five, and four at home. Oh, wow. So there might be opportunity there, but these are the two teams that are right around them. They've got a game in hand on both of these teams, mm-hmm. but I mean, I think a draw is fine. A draw is fine against both of these teams if you can get that result. We know that the Caps are not
0: exactly the franchise that is most promoted by the league writ large, and yet there was the article at mls.com about Vancouver and the future looking bright it included this doozy of a quote of a quote from head coach Vanny Sartini. so it looks like we are in a video game and every game is a different level it's more difficult more difficult and more difficult i'm italian so i'm thinking about mario so let's arrive at the princess at the end that's qualification <laughs> the playoffs and finishing top four,
1: avoid falling down a pipe.
0: Well, avoid those barrels that the big yeah. ape is rolling at you. If you want to go, oh, you're going away. Well, wow, I mean, that's OG. where Mario yes made his debut. Of course, let's not
1: forget Luigi. Um. <laughs> Anyways, but the game itself, by the way, the score flatters TFC. I yeah, mean, the shots well, they, on goal were eight to three in favor right. of of the Whitecaps. Um, and they should have scored a lot more goals. But they're getting contributions from everywhere, like
0: Raposo, another assist. Raposo was about, amazing. We talking about how good Raposo is of late. Hit the crossbar, had another ball saved. Yeah. Raposo like, was great. Again, Vite, not fully fit, but he contributes. Like, Brian
1: White is three goals off the Golden Boot League in yeah. MLS. And that was a sitter of a goal. Like... They, that looked like it was practice. Nobody uh-huh. was on Ryan Gold. Ryan Gould trotted up without any sort of opposition and just floats the ball into an unmarked Brian White. I mean, come on. White with 15 goals this year, 11
0: in MLS play. Gold has 10 goals and 8 assists since May 31st. So everything is going the Caps' way right now. Yeah. Are you calling the game Wednesday? Uh, on radio. Okay. Yeah. Well, look forward to this one because they're taking us on a ride here on this road trip. We're all watching from afar and going, wow, they used to be the team that found
1: ways to lose on the road, even if they were, you know. The better team or deserving of a point or what have you.
0: And that's on the nights where they showed up, Like There were a lot of nights as well where they just got the doors blown off on the road. But things are changing when this team... when this team goes abroad, and well done on Vanny and the coaching staff for having them prep to play. Let's get to results of Friday's Bodog poll question, where from Penticton in the Young Stars tournament, we uh, we asked you, is the Canucks prospect pipeline back to where it needs to be? Yes or no? What did the people say? People said no. Indeed, Percentage.
1: Um, I saw early results, so I'm going to assume it stayed um, heavy. I'll say 80 no. 84. Whoa. Yeah. Dave says, not yet, but for the
0: first time in a few years, it's definitely heading in the right direction. Got a solid bump on the back end.
1: We all agreed on that. There's a Dave. lot of qualified no's, I think.
0: Yeah. That they saw progress. Well, the- I mean, some people are citing the Buffalo Sabres, who you know are probably the best pipeline right now. Chris, not anywhere close. How is anyone voting yes on this? Another, Chris, says more depth, not a lot of high-end on the way. And that is also fair. You know, We talked about the two big missing pieces in the prospect pipeline. One is a, a top-two center. There is no one right now in the pipeline that figures as a top-two center. And then secondly is the lack of quantity amongst high-end players. Jonathan LeCair factors as a high-end player.
1: And we got a message from our friend Mike Zanier in Sweden on the weekend. Yeah. Who laid eyes on the new and improved Jonathan LeCaramacchi and just messaged us and said, he is a player. Mm-hmm. So Xander is, is liking what he's seen early on here from LeCaramacchi. Absolutely. So there's your results from Friday's
0: Bodog poll question. Time now for errors and omissions where, Blake, you and I are both on this one. John Herdman did not coach TFC. Mm-hmm. He's not coaching them until October 1st? Like the last couple matches of the season, I guess. So poor Terry Dunfield, a Vancouver guy, former cap, has to sit there and be a neutered head coach that every player in the room knows, well, I don't need to listen to this guy because he's not going to be the boss come October.
1: Yeah, like tactics and stuff that Dunfield's putting in, like they know they're about to change. Now, Now, to be fair... Dunfield is from the Herdman mold. like They work together. So there's probably a lot of similarities in how Dunfield wants the game coach to what Herdman wants, and, and I'm sure the two are talking right now about instituting Herdman mm-hmm. tactics. So there's some carryover, but ultimately you're right. It's, just, it's a weird spot to put Terry Dunfield in.
0: Mm. And
1: we should say
0: hearty thank you. To our friend Todd Tweedy, who's the head golf professional at Incomeep, who not only had us at his beautiful course on Saturday, we had a couple of foursomes there. What a course. But gave us the most precious gift he could give us, his time. He played with us on Saturday, and we had a blast. Of course, his time turned out to be only the second biggest gift of the round. Grady.
2: What's
1: that?
0: For the second consecutive day, Blake and I came to the 18th tee tied, and he beat me on Friday, made par, I bogeyed 18. Well done. Blake hits a drive so far right, the word wayward does not even begin to describe it. Okay, it, I thought it was going to hit into Incomy Village and, like, hurt a no, child or a it. small pet. It was that far right. It's heading towards a cluster of trees whereby... He's an absolute jail. It would not if it gets
1: the there. It wasn't going to make the
0: trees. Well, I mean, I would say he'd have a punch out to the fairway, but it might have been full full wedge distance back to the fairway. And then lo and behold, the ball stops and it looks
1: like it comes back towards us. And Todd says, "What happened there? That was weird." Matt Sakara says, "I think it hit the electrical wires.
0: The power line. And so sure enough, upon further inspection, we go, there is no way that ball reached the trees. So to stop there, it must have hit the power line. Now, ball is infinitely playable. And in fact, it's already a great break. Because from where the ball would have landed, he's not going to make the green in three on a par five. From that spot, yeah, he can probably still make the green in three and be putting for birdie.
1: But playing with the pro, we didn't, Factor in the local rules, and and it's really a rule everywhere. If you play Mayfair Lakes, there's power lines there. If you hit it, same idea. It says on the golf cart itself, any ball that strikes the power lines must, all caps, must be replayed. So Todd says, Blake, re-tee, no penalty. And
0: I go, whoa, whoa, whoa. He's already gotten a great break here. We're going to let him re-tee, no penalty? Not can be replayed,
1: must be replayed.
0: So I asked Todd for a citation, RCGA, unable to provide one. Must be said.
1: Well, local rules are allowed to
0: be a thing. And of course, he stripes the next one right down the middle. So we wind up tying on the round. Mm-hmm. Needless to say, I think there's a little asterisk on that one. <laughs>
1: There's not. Thank I abide to by the rules. Oh shit! <laughs> Literally, free by drop, the rules. no
0: penalty. I'm sitting there going, "The ball's up there on the right side, just off the fairway right side. Hmm. He can play that ball." Yeah,
1: this is coming from the guy. What, that what,
0: talking- what is the? Can can somebody please underpin that rule with some logic, rationale, reason for
1: me? The,
0: the ball's <laughs> playable. It's a great break.
1: What if it wasn't Great. playable? What if it wasn't playable because it hit well, the power Well, then if lines? it's
0: not playable, then I would give you the free drop there.
1: Must be oh. replayed. All caps. Nonsense. Thank
0: you to Todd and everyone at me Bodog line of the daytime with Blake Price. Bodog, your source. Free casino games, poker strategy. Must be replayed. And sports odds, Who you like what you got. And just know, if you screw this one up, you don't get a free second pick.
1: I don't think I'm going to hit the power lines. (laughs) Although the Whitecaps have been... Saved
0: by power lines. The
1: Whitecaps have been electric all season long. (laughs) And they're going to hope that continues. Plus 330 on the Whitecaps to steal all three. Yeah. Deep
0: in the heart of Texas. On your Bodog line of the day. Thanks for listening, everybody. A reminder, subscribe to us and Rinkwide wherever you get your podcasts. And then please do support the community sponsors you hear us talking about. Keep it local.